Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL, here with my two best friends, Sarah Longwell and Tim Miller of The Bulwark. Before we get started, uh, go hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, give us a follow, leave us five stars, and then when you're done, go over to thebulwark.com and sign up for all of the amazing free skiznit that we give away each and every day. We got Charlie Sykes' fantastic flagship podcast. Charlie writes a newsletter, Morning Shots, which he gives away for free. Literally every day. It's amazing. I don't know how he does this. Writing both a like 3,000-word newsletter and hosting an hour-long show every day. It's crazy. Uh, and then we've got good pieces. It's like we run an online magazine. A zine, <laughs> as the kids used to call it. Do you remember that stuff, Tim? The zine days? I wasn't really into zines. <sighs> anyway, go over to thebulwark.com and follow us up. Uh, and then... Sit down and buckle up your chin strap because we're going to talk about how fantastic my Kevin is. Ladies and gentlemen, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy has actually given us Kevin, the return to Kevin, normal that we have Kevin. been pining for for seven fucking years. All right. Let's, we're going to put this tape on a reel. Let's send it over to the Freedom Caucus, you know, send it over to all of his big supporters at Fox News Primetime and just let them know that the bulwark is giving him two thumbs up. Great job, Kevin. Heck of a job. So I want to be very careful here. I want to be very, very careful here. Because on the one hand, I like Kevin McCarthy's attempt at normalcy to succeed. So I guess I should say that he's a MAGA grifter who hates America or something, something. In, uh, in Pundit Accountability, when he won his speakership, I said, this fight is going to be what every single fight is over the course of his speakership. This is what the House Republican Caucus is. And instead, he's done an okay job. Like, you know, if you're a Democrat, you are not happy because he is not a Democrat. But on the other hand, if you're a Democrat, has been living in the world as we have known it for the last seven years, you have to look at Kevin McCarthy and be like, okay, yeah, this is, you know, this could have been worse. Is there anybody who argued that the Republicans might be better than you guys were thinking? That doesn't ring a bell. That they might act more normally? Uh, <laughs> no. Ross Douthat. No Ross oh, Douthat. was it Ross? Was it Ross, Ross. who did Ross that? Ross said that Kevin McCarthy was okay. a return to normalcy. Credit credit where it's due. Well, Ross always takes it too far. There's a difference well, between <laughs> saying there's there's a return to normalcy or the sort of generally optimistic shadow Congress, these guys can get a few things done. And yeah. I think that I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to see, like, the effects of this would have been catastrophic. And and to be clear, uh, at the time of this taping, it is not a completely done deal yet. We are listening Correct. to the terrorist, arsonist psychos of the Freedom Caucus. Did you see Chip Roy say yesterday <laughs> that Bill Crystal likes this deal? And Mitt uh, Romney. And Mitt Bill Romney. Bill Crystal and Mitt so Romney like this deal. So it must be a terrible deal. My favorite part about that is just showing about just really quick, some young MAGA reporter, like the Daily Caller reporter or something, was quoting Chip Roy, and it's like a 23-year-old, and they spelled it Bill Crystal like the hot sauce. You know, and I was like, this is what's ha yeah. this is what happens, Bill. <laughs> you know, time comes for everyone. That's right? true. You're getting name checked by Chip Roy, but the but the embed doesn't know how to spell your name anymore. You're like, I didn't know that guy from City Slickers was <laughs> doing political commentary. Yeah. Woke Bill Crystal. Uh that's woke Bill Crystal to you now, Chip Roy. I do want to say that I did give Sarah credit. Not only <laughs> did I know that you were the you were the pundit that accurately predicted that this would be normal, but I I twittered a twit about that that received like hundreds of retweets. So I I'm I just, know I retweeted I'm just it. throwing retweeted flowers it. <laughs> on you. I'm I'm throwing social media flowers at your feet. 
Oh, you were you were also right, Sarah. You and you and Ross. You were with <laughs> Ross Douthat back in the day. I didn't realize that. I appreciated that. I also appreciated JVL's wife, beloved by all of us, being like JVL would like a word because JVL has been his newsletters of late have been very on top of this. I don't think Shannon realized you were going back in the canon back to when we were in the early days of of discussions about this. I think that there were some deep doubts, some real reservations over whether Mike Kevin could actually pull together a coalition to get a vote and whether Mitch McConnell could bring across 10 Republican senators, nine now for various things. And me and JVL were very bearish on that. And Sarah, as is your want, was rather bullish. And here we are, you know, gun deal, infrastructure. Now we've survived a completely unnecessary hostage taking <laughs> that, too, that would have uh, killed the economy. I'm ready to put him on Mount Rushmore, to be honest. <laughs> Let me just finish this one thing, though, which is the reason that Kevin is is being successful is in part because you have this MAGA establishment of also horrible people. Like, this is where it gets weird, right? And where I think our analysis, you can see where what, what we're struggling with because Marjorie Taylor Greene, Thomas Massey, Jim Jordan, these are the people who are on Kevin's team about this. Right. These are the ones running out to defend Kevin on this uh, debt limit deal. And so... You know, people could be forgiven for thinking that Marjorie Taylor Greene not be particularly serious about keeping us from defaulting on our debt. So, Sarah, this is what I want to ask you about. Uh, so this is a sort of Nixon going to China thing where Kevin could do this deal precisely because he's already out front on the Trump train and he brought MTG into the caucus with him and he has hugged her close Right. And this is a pretty canny thing, right? He does not take a backseat to anybody else in his love of Donald Trump and his desire of Donald Trump to be the next president of these United States. That then is what frees him up to be able to do this, even in a moment when Trump kind of wanted a default. Right. I mean, Trump's own incentives diverged from from McCarthy's incentives on this. And DeSantis's. Yeah. Well, Trump wants the economy to be in shambles and right. for there to be general catastrophic failure I mean, canny, I guess. Uh, it, it, it's, it's. I, I mean, the like, problem is, like, right? I don't want to give him you, you, canny. You, <laughs> I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to go so far as canny. Well, okay? yeah. I'll, I'll ask this question back to you a slightly different way. Is it worth it for Kevin McCarthy to validate Marjorie Taylor Greene to have gone so MAGA, validated Trump, validated everything he stands for, swallow all of it whole, to do things like make sure we don't default on the debt? I mean, if the alternative is if he doesn't do those things, then we do default on the debt, right? If, if that's the alternative, and I'm not sure that that's the case. I'm not sure it's the case either, yeah. But let's maybe it's a false choice, but let's pretend that that's the choice. Then it's absolutely worth him doing all of those things. Well, then let me ask you, because you know who I make this argument about sometimes? Kirsten Cinema. Oh, boy. She, yeah, look at, I love Tim's face. <laughs> like, there is, we reflexively hate on a bunch of these people, when? I have a Christian Cinema t-shirt. I don't reflexively hate on her. I wanted to like her, and she's acted very strange and inscrutably and weird and not and not very productively at all. But maybe I'm wrong. Make the pitch. I mean, the pitch is like she she inserted herself into the debt conversation because she has the ability and credibility to talk to, you know, Cornyn and a bunch of people on the right. And, you know, every time she seems to sort of abandon her team and cozy up to Republicans, it's really annoying and yet, especially because it seems to validate what has been horrible, contemptible behavior on their part, and yet it does put her in a position in these sort of like tense negotiation times to talk to both sides in a way where there's not that many people who can bridge that divide. I mean, 
if we're going to go giving Kirsten Cinema credit here for making this all work, then I'm sorry. I'm, I'm happy to give credit to my Kevin. I'm not giving her credit. I'm I'm asking about the theory. This do we forgive or allow people to to cozy up and validate normalize these terrible people in the service of negotiation. I don't think she added anything through what she's done. Christian Cinema has a colleague named Mark Kelly. Why doesn't Mark Kelly get credit? Why like Christian Cinema gets credit just cuz she likes the attention more than he does? I mean Mark, like like Mark Kelly's doing all the right things. Because I don't think Mark Kelly, is he trying to sit down with Republicans? Is he? I, I mean, he's supporting these bills. He's trying to do all the right things. He does bipartisan stuff like that isn't arson. What I would say, Sarah, is I don't think that any of the stuff that Kristen Cinema did enhanced her ability to do what she has done on the debt stuff. I think she could have been exactly what she was, you know, 24 months ago. And still have had the same but effect. But it's not just this. This was like she she was doing it in service of an immigration reform at one point. Uh, yeah. Like that is how I don't I think, think it gained her much in terms of ability to go and do that. But we didn't think that about Kevin until we saw it like get put to the test, right? Yeah, but he has a caucus to deliver and she doesn't, right? I mean, she's she's just one person. I would also like to give a little bit of this much credit to Joseph Robinette Biden. Oh, who, uh, I don't know, like, he's just good at this stuff. Like, he just, uh, nobody cares. Nobody cares. But I wrote this last week when everybody was like, oh, we're going to default, we're going to default. And I was like, hey, so uh, if we don't default and he gets to a deal and he has told the progs who wanted to use the 14th Amendment to, to settle down because he's not going to go breaking their norms and he hasn't tweeted about how he doesn't negotiate with Nazis and that he, you know, my Kevin has a stupid face and who could ever want a man with a face like that? And he's a beta cock, you know, like he's just inviting Kevin McCarthy over to the White House to sit down and draw. No duels. Joe Biden is a good president. I'm sorry, everybody. I know everybody wants to say, oh, he's terrible. He's dementia. He's a good president. Not the best president. He's not Lincoln. But he's been a pretty good president. Did you see what else he did? The other thing he did as part of this deal that was really good, to your point, about no. not only did he not do the Nazi thing, uh, to his detriment in the liberal media, he didn't even make the case for the deal. Yes. Right? And he was asked about this, like, why aren't you selling this harder? And his answer was, oh, what, you want me to run around and talk about how great of a deal I'm getting? You think that's going to help? Get the votes? You think that's going to help get the Republican votes? That's not a direct quote, but that's essentially the gist of what he said when asked about this in a press conference. It's like, that's a smart guy. Maybe he should write a book. Art of the Deal It's a good title, I've heard. Um, uh, he's got a pretty good sense for this stuff. He's done a number of these things. I do think he, he deserves credit for this. And there are two ways to look at it, right? In the one way, in one sense, they got a pretty good deal in the sense they didn't really give up that much. I mean, like, we're not actually cutting, you know, the, the, the spending is staying flat, Right, the worst parts of the work requirement were all taken out, you know, and now it's just able-bodied adults with no dependents. Right, so uh, you know, so they got a good deal in that sense. But in the other sense, they didn't get a good deal because they got nothing. I mean, my uh, my book editor Eric Nelson, I'm going to steal this from him, so I'm going to shout this out. He tweeted, like, he's like, he's like, what what are the Republicans who are complaining about Mike Kevin talking about when they say Kevin didn't get a good deal? It's like they got a car and Joe Biden got a stick. And now they want leather seats in the car. It's like Joe, like Joe Biden, the, you know, so I, I, there, That's right, good. there are two different ways to look at it, right? In the sense that Democrats didn't have to give up that much, 
But in another sense, they didn't get anything. It's not like it's not like the Republicans in good faith came to the table and said, hey, in exchange for cutting the budget, which we feel so so passionately about because we're purists when it comes to budget responsibility, in exchange for that, we'll give you, you know, we'll, uh, uh, a 21-year gun restriction for assault rifles. Or we'll give you, you know, we're going to fund some green stuff over here. Like, we'll add, we'll add, you know, they got nothing. Like, the Democrats got nothing out of this. But they avoided the default. They protected all the stuff that Joe Biden passed in the in the first two years, which is significant. And, um, you know, everybody should be happy about this, I think. Great job, Joe and Kevin. Heck of a job. But one other Kevin thought that's a little frustrating is, have you ever seen the Twitter meme that is um, like about how Twitter is the only place where you can send a tweet that says, I like waffles, and somebody will respond to you and say, what the fuck do you have against pancakes? You know, and and the person's like, that's another sentence, actually. That's a separate, that's a separate sentence. I, I like waffles and I also like pancakes. And you know, you do get that a lot, I notice, you know, on on this Kevin thing. I noticed JVL, you got that in the comments on the Substack. Even our great listeners, very erudite subscribers. Most of the comments were that is very a tiny good. minority, yeah, tiny, though. But 95% of, of our readers were like, yeah, no. Nobody's more surprised than me. You do notice this, and and I noticed you got this a little bit, Sarah, on some of your comments about a different candidate we'll talk to in a bit. You know, and it's like, these things can exist as two distinct sentences. My Kevin acted responsibly this time in a way that kind of surprised me. Maybe didn't surprise Sarah, but surprised me in how responsibly he acted. And that does not absolve him of all his past sins. And, you know, your Twitter feed does become a little onerous if every time you tweet, my Kevin did something responsibly today, you also have to begin it with a rundown of all of the areas where he's failed the, the Democratic Republic over the past 10 years. It's kind of stipulated. But anyway, great job, everyone involved. Let me just give JVL his due on on Biden. Ooh. It's you know this is one of those things where it's really unfair to the person for whom you have the expectations of being a grown up. No, not you. Oh, okay. uh, sorry. Right, like we expected Joe Biden to want to avoid a debt default. The reason that we're also happy about Kevin is because we were like, I don't know, maybe the lunatics <laughs> own him and like he can't do this, right? And we're all pleasantly surprised. Just to Tim's point about the framing of this, though, that I find befuddling on the parts of Republicans is that, you know, the way you do this is like you get some concessions. Like Joe Biden started from the position of absolutely no negotiations, right? Whether or not he ever intended to get into those negotiations, I don't know. But that's where he started. So Republicans feel like they're getting something. And they are. They're the only ones who got anything in this deal. So why they're not all running out there being like, we owned you. We got this. (laughs) We win. And because Joe Biden is playing... The card of like, I'll let them say whatever it takes to get this thing done. So like, and yet they're all like, we got owned by this. And it's like, who taught you PR? Like, what do you mean? You're, you're going to run around now being like, we got hosed. This is terrible deal. Like Chip Roy, what is wrong with you, bro? Take the W. Nancy Mays. Take it. We literally said we got owned by a guy who can't put on his pants. It's like, what are you talking? Did you read that before you clicked tweet? There's an insight here, though, that you are correct. Their PR is terrible, but there there is a deeper insight about the the Republican mind right now, right? Which is the grievance, the being the victim, is what moves people. The P- you only I, I, win by you know? losing. You only win by losing. Uh, right? Like That's that right. is that is a deep psychological rot that I don't know how to fix. About it's 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 sometimes true about really active Democratic partisans too, but less much less so. But like Republican partisans 
like have to, you know, in order to energize them, they have to feel like some bad, scary, maybe Jewish person like Bill Crystal screwed them over. Right. And like that is how you energize people is like, is, is that, oh, we need to fight. We need to fight this because we're, we need to fight harder. We need to fight even harder. We need to fight, 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 fight. And, and that's the only way to rally around people because they don't want to take the W, which is very strange. We had a piece on this on the website last week by Robert Trasinski, who said that losing is Trump's superpower for precisely this reason. Uh, and that's that's a very deep point. I do have one one little question. In the same way that uh, the Bulwark audience was all able to look at my Kevin and say, oh, yeah, hey, no, he did a good thing. Good for him. He governed. Am I wrong to say that there is no mirror image of that on the right? Like, I don't ever see a National Review Online piece saying like, hey, Joe Biden did this thing. You know, it was pretty good. OK, he governed effectively. Good for him. Do we not ever get that? Like, does Mike Biden Kevin did it? Never? While we're while we're complimenting Mike Kevin, he he was he was he was asked <laughs> that about was, Joe yeah, Biden. Mike Kevin also said, said that. he's a strong negotiator, that. and I don't I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but very smart and very tough. Very smart, Outside, very tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally the two worst worst for, words you could use yeah. in order for like for Trump to trigger him. You don't want to say that Biden is smart because he's he's very, very touchy about his own intelligence. And you don't want to say that Biden's tough because he thinks he's the toughest bastard in the world. But I can't say that I've seen any of the writerly types or commentator types. or Maybe I missed it. If you saw it out there, please send it through. I'd like to give credit where due. But I can't, I can't say that I've heard anybody say like, you know, not even, I mean, forget attaboy Joe Biden, not even like, you know, Turns out Joe Biden isn't quite as socialisty and communisty as maybe we worried he as would we be. As we worried be. he'd be, right? That's kind of a really what we're saying about Kevin, right? Not that like he's great. It's like he's not quite as irresponsible as we expected him to be. I haven't seen that. Maybe I missed it. Sarah, do you ever hear that in focus groups? Again, maybe you're just not talking to like the leaners, but the people who who don't like Biden, who aren't going to vote for him, but do you ever hear them say like, "Look, I don't even not my guy." I'm gonna, but you know, not as bad as I not as bad as I'd feared. Is that a thing you ever get? Not really. Uh, <laughs> not really. I've made this observation before, I think. And there is an absolute difference between the way Democrats talk about Republicans and Republicans talk about Democrats. And I don't know whether this is because when I'm talking to like especially let's say Democrats in Pennsylvania, most of their family are Republicans, right? They don't know Republicans. They're around Republicans all the time. And they're much more likely to both sympathize with certain elements of what the Republicans that they know feel or even like try to understand them. Now, sometimes it's a condescending kind of understanding, like uh, who are these? Jonah Goldberg used to have this formulation, the conservatives in the mist. And it was really about how the media approached it, which is like, who are these people and why? But not with antagonism. Republicans hate Democrats. Like, they are not seeking to understand them. And I would say, like, the two-time Trump voters, not the swing voters as much. And part of that is, and it goes back to this, the grievance is one piece. The other piece is the, like, it's it's a it's a nephew or, like, a, a relate, it's related to the grievance of, like, we're always under attack, right? And because we're always under attack, we live in a foxhole together in our tribe. And so we hate the other side. And that doesn't mean that there's not lots of progressives that call Republicans Nazis. Real thing. Fascists sure. all the time, everything. That is real. But you hear, you just like, you just hear a lot more Democrats have empathy 
for Republicans and try to understand them than not vice versa. Yeah, I remember that in your focus groups leading up to 2020, where you you had, again, like liberal voters in Pennsylvania literally explaining why they thought their Republican friends were going to vote for Trump again. And it wasn't that like, oh, they're evil racists. Like, uh, I understand, man. Like, you know, times are tough and the jobs have left the more rural areas. And, you know, a guy like this comes along selling magic beans. Like, it's totally empathetic. Don't see a whole lot of that from the right towards the left. The one thing there is on the right is there's often, so like, this, let's take Ted Cruz as an example, or even what's his Klein, the guy who runs NRL. Bill Klein. Phil Klein. I saw both of them tweet related to sort of the LGBT. So Ted Cruz was talking about Uganda and the law that they just passed that punishes homosexuality. And Ted Cruz tweeted against it. Um, and Thank Phil you, Klein Ted. was, was I, defending. I'm just happy I know, that Ted wants to let me live. That's great. And let all the Ugandan Tims out there live. Yeah. Brave. Brave. Yeah, I mean, if you watched his back and forth with Jenna Ellis and some of the other ones, like he was, he didn't, he like doubled down on it. He didn't, he didn't, you know, he pushed back. And like Philip Klein was basically arguing, also again taking a lot of heat from his from from the right on it that if parents want to buy their kids like a rainbow shirt, that that is not like grooming. Like they're not marketing it to children; they're marketing it to parents who are showing support for gay people or are gay. Like, uh, I mean. I don't think my kids have any rainbow stuff, but like I'm sure people I know have given their have their kids have rainbow stuff. Obviously. Yeah, you. Yeah. She's got <laughs> yeah, you have a girl. Rainbows. Let me read for you guys the tweet. The response to Ted Cruz from Pastor Tom Ascole rhymes with asshole. Uh, <laughs> who responded, tell it to God, Ted. And then he quoted Leviticus. 2013. If a man lies with a male as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon him. Now we go back to Pastor Tom. Was this law God gave to his old covenant people, quote, horrific and wrong? Which was the words Ted Cruz used to describe the Ugandan law. So that is the quote from the pastor who helped launch Ron DeSantis' yeah. campaign. He did the invocation at, at, at DeSantis's inauguration. He did the invocation, yeah. and he's been leading the effort to like recruit evangelical pastors for for DeSantis. So again, the Ted Cruz tweet. It's just I want to get to Tom, but just worth <laughs> settling for a second on the fact that Ted Cruz's tweet was basically gay people should be allowed to live. Like that was his that was the extent of his position and that all civilized nations should join together in believing that gay people should be allowed to live. Which is okay, good. I mean kind of the bare minimum, but he did get this it's like the the 24 pieces of flair on gay people. Yeah, exactly. Like one piece of flair. Great job. We can live. Anything else? Like can we do it? Uh, how about, you know, can we mate for another day? <laughs> But um, but he got a lot of pushback about this, which which does show why he deserves one cheer for for saying it. I think it's it's it speaks to the nature of how the blue check the new blue check Twitter mafia is that that Ted Cruz would come under fire for such a position. But the Askel tweet I think is very is very important, you know, because again it speaks to the broader issues with DeSantis, both on policy 
and on you know his electability case right and 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 it speaks to the changing mores of the party and obviously there've been crazy pastors that supported republican candidates for as, as old as time but but there is a real difference i mean john mccain in 08 uh did not want to uh, uh pastor jeffress you know said he would not you know campaign with him because of his you know uh comments i believe it was about jews but also gays um, in, in that campaign. I mean, to have a person like this front and center, Askel, if you don't, you know, for people who don't know, I did, I just did a little bit of research on this, was talking briefly to some of our friends in this world. You know, he made a challenge for the Southern Baptist Convention, some leadership role. I forget what the, what the title of the role was, but like, it was, it was like the Byron Donald's challenge against <laughs> Kevin McCarthy equivalent. Like it was, you know, it's like the Southern Baptist Convention. And he was, he was going at, you know, the leader from the right, you know, talking about, you know, all the libcucks in the midst and how, you and know, this the, isn't Westboro Baptist. It's not like 20 cranks on with a TV camera. No, it's the Southern Baptist yeah. Convention, right? And and he ends up getting like 30% in this in this vote of pastors. So like this is not a nobody. Like this is somebody that is influential. He's recruiting people to move them off of Trump to DeSantis. And, and he's literally out there taking the position that gays should be put to death. Like that's not a that's not a misrepresentation. They shall surely be put to death. Just God's law. Um, that was the law God gave His covenant people. I, I, can he go back on the stage with DeSantis? Will he? I, I think probably. Right. And and I and I think that that speaks to obviously the horrific policy agenda of Ron DeSantis, which I want to talk about a little bit. But but his political weakness. If he's going to go like he did this week and try to make the contrast with Trump be, oh, I'm electable. You know, I can win. I'm a guy who can win. It's like really. You're carrying a lot of baggage. Sarah? I know it was, like, not on our list of topics. I guess this was, this reverend person. But how do we think Ron DeSantis's rollout is going? Because he has been... So I, there was a really good Semaphore article. He's out there in Iowa. He's stumping. I saw conflicting reports about the size of his crowds. They were either enormous or a little small, uh, depending on which reporter was taking a picture from which angle. But one of the things he he is attacking Trump now to reporters. <laughs> so when he's talking to voters, now to be fair, the voters aren't necessarily asking him about Trump. The reporters are asking him lots of questions about Trump. But he has started to kind of take some take some bigger swings uh, to the media, you know. And he's been doing this this press blitz, so he's everywhere. I gotta say, in like a conventional way. It's like been a pretty good rollout, raised a ton of money, eight, over $8 million. But in terms of like watching him and whether or not he has any like, he's pretty boring. Like for as much, for as spicy as it is to be palling around with the, with the like gay people should die folks. <laughs> and, uh, and the, and the, and his, 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 we're going to. We're going to put the woke agenda in the dustbin of history. Like, I've been listening to him do his thing. Does it have it? Even It still sounds politician-y. And, like, it, it is not the words of a John McCain or Mitt Romney, and yet it, it manages to sound not that interesting. Can I test drive an idea for you, Sarah? And I, I'm thinking about writing something, and I want to hear your both of your take sure. on this. I agree with that. The reason why I don't want the DeSantis rollout to be on the agenda is I want to see. We're, we're now deep enough into it that we're going to see around the polls this week, and I want to. See, I mean, we are, and I, I expect it'll get a little bump. The question is, does it get a little bump or a real bump? Um, and, a real and bump. I think Monmouth, yeah. the Monmouth numbers yesterday were brutal. Yeah, but that was before his announcement. But the most brutal number in that 
was who did Republicans think was the most, the best candidate to beat Biden? It was Trump, yeah. yeah. And on that count, it was Trump 65, and I, I want to say DeSantis 25 or something like that. I, Sebastian can pull I got to tell you, I think that CNN town hall did a lot for Trump's sense of electability. Yeah. Why wouldn't it, right? He looked tough. He looked engaged. Oh, I just want yeah. to test drive something that's more on the merits of what he's been saying. So I've been listening to his uh, all of his interviews, not all, but I've been listening to as many as I could. The ones where where it seems like he was contrasting with Trump. I don't I don't need to hear the Florida's where woke goes to die bit again. But uh, his contrast with Trump, this makes sense why he would do this strategically. But all are either electability. Or from the MAGA right, and and I and I use that word carefully, MAGA right, not the true con right, not like oh we need to go back to social security reform and oh you know cutting taxes. It's all been stuff like, you know, he's been willing to go there, uh, like Trump didn't wouldn't. I, uh, th- these are all paraphrases of what he's saying, but he he he's been willing to go there on on the migrant. Uh, you know, sending migrants from Texas to uh, Massachusetts. Um, he, you know, uh, says that, that Trump was moderating on the the abortion thing. That he was willing to go there all the way to all the way to six weeks on on abortion. Like there are, there are these series of issues, you know, obviously on Fauci and the CDC and how Trump cared a little bit too much about how people were dying during COVID. And he keeps going at, at Trump from, from that vantage point. And like DeSantis's supporters, like the, the one way to make them just bristle with like just be like get gleefully performatively upset is for anybody to suggest that 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 Donald Trump, that Ron DeSantis could be worse than Donald Trump or more far, or more extreme than Donald Trump. And I, and I don't want to relitigate that argument here. But what I do want to say is, isn't it interesting that Ron DeSantis's argument is basically that he's more MAGA than Donald Trump, right? Like, do we not have to take him at his word on this? Am I am I being too? Is this too MSNBC of a take here? No, no. In fact, it didn't didn't one of the NR writers literally say you make the case last week that like no no you got to understand he doesn't mean any of this. Yeah. Right? Was it Is that is that not is that not crazy? I, I like again, it doesn't change my personal view. I don't want to relitigate why we think Trump's the Trump third term nightmare blah blah blah. And and I and I'll do a big wind up if I write this. But like Ron DeSantis's case is that he is going to be more mega. Like that's his contrast with Trump, right? So, here's the thing though. It depends on what he's trying to be more MAGA on. Like, there's the really, really dangerous aspects of MAGA, like the overturning of an election. That's true. Which DeSantis does not seem to be embracing, right? He's not running on an election denialism platform. He's not running on a we don't respect elections platform. He wouldn't, though. He's not disavowing any of that That's stuff. True. He's just not running on it. That's true. Okay. And then also, so like one of the things that I, I think where he tried to sort of run to Trump's not necessarily right, but like the same is on U- Ukraine, right? But he also, he got brushed around, he got pushed around and he walked that back. It's true. And like the six-week abortion, abortion is not quite MAGA, like, right? Like the abortion issue is more the social conservatives. It's like a different, the MAGA MAGAs don't care about the social issues and probably don't lo- actually love the six-week abortion ban. There's a reason Trump can get away with taking a more moderate position on abortion is because voters have always kind of liked that about him. Um, and especially like the big Trumper people, they're not big social conservatives. They, that they don't like love Mike Pence. That's and true. Also, like when people do the Ron DeSantis is scary. I know you don't want to litigate it, but I, I, I did get 
I, I like David Jolly said this and our friend Molly John Fast said this in the on the stage when we were and I just cannot take this argument. And a lot of times when they when they are talking about it, they bring up the way that he's going after gay people. And I think that he is certainly worse than Trump on these social issues. But this because this is this was actually Trump. I was the board chair of Log Cabin Republican when Trump came along, and one of the conundrums was that Trump was the most pro-gay Republican that had ever run. He is waving around a rainbow flag. And so, like, the, the things that are dangerous about Trump is that Trump is genuinely a wannabe authoritarian. Ron DeSantis is a liberal yeah. and wants to do liberal things. And, like, his rhetoric right now of, like, we're going to defeat leftism, we're going to end leftism as the, like, a whole set of ideas get ended, you know, not we're going to debate, whatever. So he's a liberal guy. Not we're going to persuade either, right? <laughs> we're just going to destroy. Yeah. Uh, so I'm tr- we're fine-tuning. I'm doing this live. I'm re- I am I get it. This is a little bit of a slate pitch of an yeah, article. I know. Same. But, like, it is not a, sl- not a slate advice column <laughs> of an article, which they're, they're really doing some good work over there in the advice column section, um, is the other things that he hit Trump on, right? So this goes to your authoritarian question. Not being tough enough on Disney. Right. Yeah. That's the other thing. I was willing to go there and attack mm-hmm. a private company for doing unclear exactly what. Um, I'm still begging for a reporter. Every reporter I talk to who actually gets to talk to DeSantis, I'm begging them to ask him to tell us. I want to know the specific scene of the Disney movie that was too sexualized for him. He uses this word every time: sexualizing kids. I want to. I want to know the specific scene that that triggered him. But Toy anyway, Story the Disney- two, and it's when Bo Peep Sina goes side eye like this at Woody. 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 Yeah, the name is that Woody. Name was an accident? No, it certainly mm. wasn't. Um, here's the other one. Why did Trump not remain true to America first principle and consider giving amnesty for dreamers? Amnesty for dreamers. I mean, the dreamers thing's been going on for 30 years now. Like, there's some dreamers who are 40, I think, who have been in this country since they were eight. <laughs> like, so again, this is his pitch, you no? Know? Like, his pitch is that I'm more America first than, yeah. than Trump. So shouldn't he have to answer for that? But answer in what way? In, in that we accuse him of being more dangerous? Like no, that's... the dangerous is not the word. I'm just saying that like everybody in the, in the DeSantis camp bristles if you're like, oh, he's more, how about extreme? Maybe extreme than dangerous. Like he's saying I'm more extreme. He's saying Trump is more reasonable. Not He doesn't say that word reasonable. But if your argument is, hey, Trump was willing to listen to Fauci and Trump is willing to to work behind the scenes with these woke corporations like Disney and Trump is willing to let dreamers who, who were brought here as children, and I wouldn't do any of those things. I'd go after the companies. I'd fuck over the dreamers. Trump helped those vaccine companies with his Operation Warp Speed. <laughs> I, again, I, I, I know that DeSantis would have more normal people around him. There are all these other arguments, but is it not true that that's his case against Trump? It is his case, I think. Right, That is his argument. Right. The problem is that it's simultaneously his argument is also I'm more electable. And as he keeps doing this, he becomes less electable, right? There, I mean, there is a reason that uh, during the Democratic primaries in 2020, when, you know, they were candidates were asked on stage, raise your hand if you're in favor of, you know, single-payer health. And everybody except, like, Biden and Mayor Pete, I think, said yes. And they didn't because they're like, no, this will get hung around my neck in a general election, right? Same thing with uh, criminalize, decriminalizing the border, right? Like all of these things that DeSantis says he's for, he would have to answer. And we, the three of us, or at least two of us have been saying for a while now that it's not clear that DeSantis really is more electable than Trump anymore. You know, with each passing week, I think actually that another reason to favor DeSantis is because I think that he might be 
more beatable by Biden? No way. I don't, no, you don't think so, Sarah? I think he's compromised. I think he's compromised. The age thing could just I, overcome everything, right? The the 40-year difference could just swamp everything. And and also, like, DeSantis, will, he will change these positions. He just will. Can you, though? No, yeah. I'm sure he'll change it. But does it succeed, right? I mean, as a Republican, as a Democrat, you couldn't have run for, you know, saying you're in favor of single payer and then run away from that. In the right? He can't run away from abortion. Although, he could come out and be like, my federal policy will be 15 weeks. Like, he could. He could be like, in Florida, six weeks were right for us, but federal policy, I'll push for 15 weeks with exceptions for rape and sex life of the mother. I just, look, Ron DeSantis knows, as I think most people do, like, you don't get to run a general election unless you can win a primary. And so they've got a theory of the case. I agree with Tim that he is running to the right of Trump, that that is it. The question is, is like, the things that he is running to the right on Trump is like, Trump didn't build the wall, you know, like he he wasn't as tough on immigration as I'll be. He's trying to take the parts of Trump that got noticed and were popular and like put them on steroids. The scariest parts of Trump were things like Muslim ban, overturning an election, appointing people who would break the law. It was his cozying up to dictators his interest in undoing the world order and, you know, getting rid of NATO. Like, sure. those are the reasons to me that Trump is yeah, fair. But, but I take your I just, point, my though, thing, Tim. My one, point one, is, like, you can't run to the right of Trump and then and then make fun. And then when I, and when we notice that, say, oh, you're a hypocrite. You know, it's like, what? You're, you can do that. You're full of shit, though. Like, you can't run to the right of Trump and then get mad at people for noticing. I guess that's my only point. Well, that that is it. I mean, there is an expectation because he's running against Trump that all of us will know that he's not serious. Like, we're supposed <laughs> no, to take yeah. him, what is it? Seriously, uh, not literally. Seriously, not literally, right? And everybody at NRO expects us to be like, he doesn't mean that, and you know it, and play along, you jerks. Yeah. I want to make one one prediction here, though, uh, and this is based on his launch night, where he said, I make a promise to you that if I'm your nominee... At noon on January 20th of 2025, I will be sworn in because I will do whatever it takes. I think that's coded language for the problem with the coup was that it didn't work. He may not ever say it fully outright, but I think he's going to get at some point be pushed into that position. As a as a position, this is a nice that, segue like, into the terror read section of the podcast. So I think that's coming. I mean, he's already said he's you know he did that weasel worded kind of like I'm going to pardon the insurrectionists. Like right. he'll he'll flirt with it. I just Trump is like Trump's an an entrepreneur, an authoritarian entrepreneur. He's like, can I get away with this? Can I do this? And DeSantis just does have a different set of boundaries. Still a liberal. I'm not yeah. defending him. No, no I understand. This is where, I get this is where it is annoying. It's like, I, at no point do I want to defend him. I You're just, among friends here. We understand you, Sarah. I people lose the plot when they get really excited to be like, as though it's like a great take. No, no, no. DeSantis is more dangerous because he'll know what he's doing. Like, well, that's not how this works. I agree with that. But uh, you can also agree with that statement about Trump's unique danger while also noticing what DeSantis has been doing the last two weeks, which is pretty fucking far out there. Like, yes. would have been really far out there in the 2012, like, primary lineup. It would have been He would have been out there with the Herman Cain and Michelle Bachmans of the world, the kind of thing he's running. He's not running as Tim Pawlenty. One thing that's funny about DeSantis to me is that if this version of DeSantis, which you don't get this version of DeSantis without Trump happening, but let's say Trump hadn't happened and you just had this version of DeSantis— I always think, like, I would leave the Republican Party over this guy. 100%. Right? I would have been out 
I would have had the same reaction to him. It would have been over for me. But because Trump came before him, that he is like this, that voters crave this, and that we now grade on this curve of like, well, this horrible person who's deeply illiberal and cynical is still preferable to the guy who set the precedent for all this stuff. <laughs> JBL, so I want to do Chris Christie, but I have no Chris Christie thoughts. So let her do it. Just real quick. Yeah, no, I totally, I want to do Chris Christie. Sarah, do it. Go. Uh, so Chris Christie is apparently going to get in this race, guys. He's going to get in this race on Tuesday of next week. Wow. Guess where he's getting in? Where? New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Guess what happened last time he was in New Hampshire? Oh, he finished second or first? Remind me. <laughs> he basically <laughs> threw the punch that guaranteed Donald Trump was going to be the Republican nominee. That's right. Oh, he, he sure did. No, maybe, he I don't sure think he was did. back in New Jersey by the time okay. he endorsed him. I think he did a couple of days on the beach. Yeah, no, this, this oh, yeah. is where he, he took Marco Rubio, right? He's just... Uh, Before uh, he finished fifth? Seventh, I think. Seventh, yes. The great Trump slayer, Chris Christie who finished out of the top four, at least, in New Hampshire. That's, yeah, this guy's cooking with gas. Go ahead, Sarah. I just want to give you my one take on Christie, which is, look, if this guy's going to get in the race, delusionally, if he's going to get in and he's going to, like, actually try to... I believe in doing your own sort of, what, karmic, Penance. like, recompense. Yeah, Catholic. This is a Catholic idea. Yeah, if he goes back to New Hampshire and says, and he says, you know what? I screwed this up last time, which he has, I think he's said, right? I think he has, I think he understands he did a bad thing. And if he wants to go and try to make good on that by just leveling haymakers at Trump all day long, I am okay with that. I will say, though, in terms of when we ask about these candidates in the focus groups, I'm not sure who they hate more, Chris Christie or Mike Pence, but they hate them both a lot. Like, Chris Christie has no constituency. There are no voters, and all he has done is crowd this field of also-rans with Nikki Haley, a little less so Tim Scott, but like this crowd, Asa, he will fill that out uh, nicely, and they can all split the 10% of the party that the real Trump... And at least Asa will do it with dignity. That's true. Asa is doing it with dignity. All right, so here's my question for you both. If he makes it to New Hampshire, can Christie finish... Better than sixth again. So he finished sixth last time. Let me tell you who I think is in front of him. Trump, DeSantis, Vivek, Tim Scott, and Nikki Haley. Christie then has to beat both Pence and Asa in order to hold on to his sixth place finish. What do we think of those odds? I think he could. I'm just going to really quick say that Chris Christie's getting in this race for attention. I don't like giving it to him. And and if he starts throwing haymakers at Trump, I will praise him. In the meantime, I'm just not going to talk about him. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I think that it's, I think it's equally likely that he throws haymakers around DeSantis. I will say if he runs through the tape, I don't think Christie could finish higher than sixth, any other state, any other state. But, you know, John Huntsman finished third in New Hampshire. If there's no Democratic primary, Democratic-leaning folks can can cross over. Christie's kind of a more natural fit for Democratic-leaving crossovers than Asa, despite the fact that Asa has acted more honorably. Like, you know, if you're that, you know, he's a little bit more socially, maybe not. I don't know. We'd have to, we could do a focus group of Dem-leaners in New Hampshire who might cross over and see what they think. Um, uh, Sarah, if we could find <laughs> 10 of them. But, uh, but I, you know, so I do think that he could, he could, you know, get in the, the high single digits, you know, and, and get into John Huntsman territory when we finished a respectable third in 2012. 
just in New Hampshire. I don't see any path to him above eighth in any of the other states. Okay. I think more likely that he finishes in eighth place than fifth place. Couldn't happen to a nicer fellow. Uh, all right. So we got to talk about, about uh, Tara Reid. Sure. Not American Pie and Big Lebowski Tara Reid. Her Bunny Lebowski is a tremendously great character. Um, that was a heck of a performance. Classic. Um, so she is a resident of Russia because I guess this is the time to move to Russia. It's nice this time of year. <laughs> like Russia, Russia has launched no, a I war of aggression. What you meant. No, I just mean like more broadly, right? This isn't even like Snowden moving when we were only in like a mild cold war with Russia. I mean, this is Russia has become an international pariah. Actual Russians are fleeing Russia as fast as they can get out. Um, it has moved to a wartime footing with conscription and mass mobilization, crippling sanctions. And that is what has led this insane woman who accused Joe Biden of raping her. That seems unlikely. To move to Russia because she said that if she stayed in America, she would be hunted down and killed. Yeah. Was that? She felt that unsafe. Right? I would like to say that uh, this is one of those moments where when this obviously insane woman accused Joe Biden of raping her, the liberal mainstream media listened and did some investigating. And like, you know, they weren't they didn't run like, you know, full headlong into it like, oh, I got to check this out. But it wasn't just like dismissed and waved away. This is another example in which like, you know, the mainstream media basically did its job, right? I mean, she was heard. Everybody, yeah. you know, listened, looked into it and Joe Biden responded to it. I'm, I'm going to go even further. Not only did the mainstream media do its job, I think that some attaboys are due to the resistant libs on Twitter who saw Russia around every corner and were maybe wrong. Maybe they were, maybe we're seeing ghosts a couple of times during the Biden, uh, during the Trump years. But, um, uh, there was a lot of buzz that Tara, when this was happening, like she, you know, had done stuff with RT and that, uh, you know, might have had a Russian handler. And anytime somebody mentions that, obviously the the Russiagate crowd, you know, throws their hands, say, oh, the liberals are obsessed with this. Here it was. It was true. Russia. It is just another friendly reminder that Russia is is not a all powerful boogeyman. They didn't do everything they've ever been accused of, but they have been at uh, you know continuously trying to interfere in our politics in favor of Donald Trump and against Donald Trump's opponents. Oh, in oh, favor, in of, favor Donald of Donald Trump, Trump. that Donald is Trump's opponents. Geez. Wow. And um, and this was one ex- and this was one example of that. And I guess it was Maria Butina who <laughs> Another, helped handle her, who, uh, who the Russian hoax people all insisted was absolutely innocent. Yeah, right. she was in. She was embedded in the NRA. You know who else Tara met with recently? Your friend Matt Gates. Um, I believe Marjorie Taylor Greene was with them. So it is yet another example of the Russians uh, easily infiltrating Republican influential Republican offices and, and, and interest groups in service to Donald Trump. And so anyway, that is something that happened. Uh, it's nice to know that it happened. And I just, I wish Tara well. I, I, I think that, you know, Erstuk is really beautiful in November, you know, um, <laughs> nine months of winter, three months of work camps, I think will be really nice on her. <laughs> Um, or maybe they'll treat her better than that, and she can have a nice, like, little one-bedroom apartment somewhere on the outskirts of Moscow, where she doesn't speak the language, 
and I'm sure that it's going to be a very fulfilling, fulfilling life for her. Speaking of things I don't want to talk about that I don't want to have to have an opinion about, I don't know. I, you know what? This woman came out. I remember when it, and like we did, we gave it a, a hard look. I remember her story. It was like it made no sense from a where she said it happened was like not in the rotunda exactly, but like in the hallways and no, like, like every re- in a corridor. There was like a little secret yeah. nook inside and like the in the corridor. And every reporter of Congress. or anybody who or member of Congress was like, "That's not a thing that could happen." And then I forgot about her. And you know what? I was perfectly happy to have forgotten about her. Uh, I hope she re- lives the rest of her life uh, in Russia. I think the only point that's worth really pushing is the one that Tim made about the fact that, like, Russia is always with us. They are here. They are trying to um, mess with us. And uh, she was a product of that. And, you know, that made a, it made a difference. And it, and it created a narrative, right? There was a narrative about Biden with, that the right was really trying to push of, like, the sniffing, the hair sniffing. Uh, He's a predator, remember? It's all projection, right? Everything's always projection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, They took every hug he gave anybody as a a sexual assault attempt, and they brought her in to feed that narrative. This is the other thing that's coming. The other narrative serving is my Biden kill list article. I wrote it. The Biden kill list is coming. That's like, it is, this is, these are all real things that are happening in the right-wing media that it's important to understand that there are people out there that think that the deep state literally could target Biden enemies. All right. So, Sarah, you didn't want to have an opinion on this, so I will do my impersonation of your opinion, <laughs> which is sympathy and charity and and well wishes for a woman who sure seems mentally ill. Sympathy and charity for the per- for a person that tried to give us a Donald Trump autocracy and has now defected to to Russia where they are invading a foreign country? No, no sympathy and charity for for Tara Reid. I hope Tara Reid goes to Siberia. I hope she gets sent to Siberia. These stories don't end well typically, and the history of defectors, even defectors who are like of sound mind and sound body, don't wind up happy in their lives once they are over behind the Iron Curtain, even though it's not really the Iron Curtain anymore. Maybe they shouldn't defect. Look, I agree. But again, is being mentally ill, like, what are your real choices, right? There is a, a rationality and... It is not clear to me that this woman's choices are the same as Eric Snowden's choices. And she seems like a very sick person. So, and I'm trying to give the best... I'm trying to be Sarah. Look at me, being a friend to humanity. And... Thinking of the, the looking for the best in people. You know what, Tim? I want to judge people by their best moments, not their worst moments. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure she was nice to her cats or something. All right, guys, long show, but a pretty good show. Uh, Before we get out of here, go hit our button, hit the subscribe. We're actually, we're getting a lot more subscribers on YouTube and the downloads are growing and the show is really going gangbusters. So uh, help us out, please. Go leave some more reviews. Share with some friends. Uh, hang out in the comments. Tim and I have been popping by and bopping around in the comments every once in a while on I YouTube. I don't have to do that. Uh, and then Shame on you. If, God forbid, if you're not signed up for all the free stuff that we give away at thebulwark.com, go do that. Just get it. If, look, if somebody's handing out free candy from a shady van on of the corner, would you not take that free candy? That's what we're doing. Go take our free candy from our gypsy ice cream truck. (laughs) See you guys later. All right. Go Nuggets. Bye. Bye.